Good afternoon. Good evening. This is Dove Tasman. You're back on equal footing. This is our, what is this, our third or fourth program, I guess, during the, during the days of Av, these, these weeks leading up to Tishabav. If you are observant and you're fasting right now for this, what is called in Judaism, the saddest day of the year, hope you're hanging in. Just have a couple of hours left if you're here on the east coast of the U.S. You're done if you're in Israel. You're done your fast and on to more joyful things. We have done personal reflection shows in the past around Thanksgiving. For example, we went through uh, gratitudes that some of our listeners share their gratitudes. We're going to try something different. I think this is the first time over the last uh, number of years that the program has actually fallen on the end of the days of Av, on Tisha B'Av itself, on this holy day, but a day not of celebration, but of mourning. My eyes are spent with tears. My heart burns. My being melts away over the ruin of my poor people. These are words from the Echa, from the Book of Lamentations that we read each year on Tisha B'Av, today. We also recite the traditional Nahem, or comfort prayer, um, which refers to Jerusalem, to Jerusalem as the city that is in ruins, despised and desolate, mourning without her children. So, what is this day commemorating and Pardon me to those who know all this. I'll keep it brief. Tisha B'Av, this ninth day of the Jewish month of Av, is a day where horrible, terrible things have occurred uh, over the millennia. It was said to be the day that the generation of Israelites that were leaving Egypt learned that they would all die in the wilderness and would not be able to enter the promised land. In 586 before the Common Era, today, the ninth day of Av in the Jewish calendar, was the day that the first temple that King Solomon had built was destroyed by the Babylonians, by Nebuchadnezzar, in particular the king of Babylonia. In 70 of the Common Era, today, the ninth of Av was the day that the second temple, the Beit HaMikdash, was destroyed by King Herod, excuse me, that was rebuilt by King Herod, was destroyed by the Romans. The tragedies don't end there on this ninth day of Av, and 135 in the Common Era, was the day that the last of the Jewish rebels fell to the Romans under the leadership of Shimon Bar Kochba. The year later, Hadrian, the Roman emperor, literally plowed the area where the Beit HaMikdash, where the temple had stood and established a pagan temple. Fast forwarding over a thousand years later, on this day, the ninth day of Av, in 1290 of the Common Era, King Edward I of England signed the Edict of the Expulsion of the Jews. And today, also the ninth day of Av, in the year 1492, was the day that Ferdinand and Isabella, the king and queen of Spain, 
expelled the Jews from the Iberian Peninsula. All these tragedies on one day. So Tisha B'Av is a day of communal mourning. It's a day that we fast. It's a day that we um, we don't even greet people. We can greet people back if we're greeted, but we shouldn't be even laughing or smiling. We don't bathe. We don't put on uh, lotions and other things that are considered a luxury. We're even supposed to sleep in discomfort, picking a different place. Some people sleep on the floor or take their pillow away, etc. It's funny, um, last night I found myself, uh, without even connecting it to Tishabov, uh, wanting to do that, to kind of be in an uncomfortable position. I think I was uncomfortable with myself. And, you know, I wonder often about our emphasis in Judaism on mourning. And I toggle between thinking that it's a good thing and thinking that it's a bad thing. Of course, one of the holiest days of the year, Yom Kippur, is also a day of mourning, but it's but it's a day of redemption too, where we think about the transgressions of the past year that we've committed and how we can overcome them. But Tisha B'Av feels darker; it doesn't really feel like there's redemption involved or a light at the end of the tunnel. It's a real focus on the darkness, and I want to talk about that a little bit. Invited into studio tonight is becoming a a little bit of a uh, pattern here, which I love. Our wonderful producer, Leah. Hi, everyone. Leah, I wanted to talk about this topic with you tonight for a number of reasons. Uh, Mm -hmm. First of all, I don't know if you've ever explicitly disclosed this, but we are partners on this show. You're the executive producer. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm on air. You've been, you know, getting behind. I've been on and off. On yeah. and off. Um, we're also partners in life. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a baby boy together. And we we use the show each week to kind of not only have a kind of a reflecting pool for our listeners to think about their own spiritual lives, but... Uh, perhaps first and foremost for ourselves. And, uh, you know, and, and yet I think that we often come at these topics and you know, we cover things on the show around relationships and mental health and science and religion and sociology. And kind of one of the ways we find ourselves describing the show to others at times is a place where if you, your life is faith oriented, you can also uh, feel safe talking about those things that don't feel faith-oriented sometimes. The mm-hmm. stuff that feels like at the margin of spirituality. Um, the stuff that sometimes brings us shame. The stuff that causes us confusion. The stuff that feels kind of banal and non-elevated or non-religious you know, or spiritual. Lots of stuff that you want to talk about, but you're afraid to. Yeah, because I think our our belief collectively, even if we don't always agree on the specific subject matter, I think we share the perspective that the light of faith and God should should be shown on everything, mm. that we shouldn't have dark corners that that we keep from God, that we that we that are off the the scope, out of scope as it were, spiritually. It's not doesn't feel real. But we do. We do have dark corners that we keep 
not necessarily from God, but from each other. And these dark corners exist, and they became an inspiration for us to do this show together this evening and talk about our personal journey on one of the, I mean, the saddest day in the Jewish calendar. Yeah, and I'm, you know, we purposely didn't prep so much for tonight so that we, so it could be really raw. So, so here goes. But before I ask you the first question, I do want to get a couple of housekeeping things out of the way. Mm-hmm. One is participate, please, tonight's show. Uh, we're going to be talking about sorrow, about disappointment, about disunity, even baseless hatred. Make a little mental note on that one because that's a, at the very root of what Tisha B'Av is about. Isn't it interesting how sorrow and hatred are, are kindred? Um, participate. Let us know your thoughts about Tisha B'Av in particular, these topics in general. You can call in live, 718-303-9090. That's 718-303-9090. If you want to text or WhatsApp in a question or comment, please don't call this number. This is just for writing. You can text SMS or WhatsApp to 917-428-4062. That's 917-428-4062. And we did get Hashkafa around tonight. Show you are allowed to participate on Tisha B'Av in a Fabrengen like this, where we're talking about um, the meaning of Tisha B'Av and uh, for as a community and as individuals. So please participate and give us your opinions. All right. So Leah, here's my... Here's my question to you. Not the housekeeping is, is out of the way. Shoot. You, I don't think it's a secret to some folks who have listened carefully over time to this show. Um, you're of Jewish descent, but you didn't grow up religious. You, mm-hmm. you, because your family came from the kind of, um, communist Eastern Bloc, you grew up in a, in a, a agnostic slash even atheist uh, home. Mm. And as you've, embraced over the years a Jewish life. I wonder how you feel about these days of abject sadness, which don't seem to appear uh, in other religions as, <laughs> as markedly or as frequently as they do yeah. in, in, in Judaism. I was, I was reflecting uh, on this today and it's been a really tough day for me personally, as I'm sure you know. And I was reflecting on how we carry this pain and sadness from thousands of years ago, and it manifests in different ways today. Um, or, or maybe I was just projecting my inner turmoil into this day, but I, I believe there's a spiritual energetic connection there. Um, and how I feel about it is that I think sadness is an emotion that should be felt, that should be, we should reflect upon and we should make space for it. It's, it's a normal human emotion and we mustn't shy away from it. And I think there's, there's power and there's beauty in acknowledging the sad parts, um, and remembering them because, uh, what is that? What is that? What does our pillow say? Uh, forgive, but forget. Is that the For- one you're talking about? Yes. Forgive, <laughs> but forget. Um, yeah, it's important to 
No, is it forget? You know, it's forgive, but don't forget. I think that's forgive, but don't forget. Yes. There you go. Um, Forgive, but don't forget. That's the message for tonight. Yeah. And I think the, in Judaism, it's hard to forget. We should never forget, of course, Mm. um, the, the Shoah and the, the most horrible things that have happened to the Jewish people. Um, but also the, the, the cadence of the calendar and these, and these holy days like today at Tishabov ensure that we never forget the, the tragedy. And I'm wondering as a, as a therapist, it seems that there's an, I, I, I get to, uh, I get to stylize here. So please, you're sitting far enough away. You're not going to kick me under the table, but you may have, uh, feel free, of course, to vehemently disagree. Mm-hmm. It seems to me as a therapist and you're a clinical psychologist and a therapist, that part of what you're doing with clients, with patients, is helping them overcome sometimes uh, trauma in mm. their lives, move on from, mm-hmm. put behind them, mm-hmm. cope with, you know, problems, sadness, sorrow, even intrusive thoughts, suicidal ideation, whatever it might be. It just seems like there's a therapeutic goal to get beyond, to move past trauma and here we are on Tishabov in effect um remembering very concertedly and in a very detailed way mm-hmm. the trauma that has befallen the Jewish people over time the destruction of the temples expulsions pogroms etc how do you feel about that well that's not reality, is it? Like to to help people overcome their trauma does not mean that they never feel sadness, does not mean that they never feel pain. It means that they get to live with it and carry it in them and be able to control it in such a way. I'm sorry, I'm having some audio difficulties and be able to control it to the point where it doesn't affect their daily lives anymore. It doesn't mean that you simply cope with it and not feel pain ever again. And I think this is where disappointment comes from, where your expectations do not match reality. Um, and in Judaism, it, it's it's dark, but it's beautiful at the same time how our expectations are such that we should feel pain and we should remember. And I believe that that's a healthier way to view life. You shared with me in, in preparation for the program, some studies on this psychological phenomenon called the disappointment effect. Um, this is where if you don't have what, what in one of these studies is called the emotional cushioning to prepare for disappointment, you're less able to deal with it when it comes down the road. And I wonder, and I don't want to, try to retrofit or rationalize what Tisha B'Av is for us as a Jewish people. And by the way, if you're not Jewish and listening, welcome to our saddest, darkest day. <laughs> you too, I'm sure, in your life, deal with disappointment and sorrow and intrusive thoughts and disunity and so forth. And that's what we remember today. So non-Jewish or non-observant Jewish listeners also always welcome. But back to... The point, I guess, maybe it sounds like rationalization, but it seems like there is some modern psychotherapeutic scientific basis for the fact that by taking time out 
and honoring the darkness Mm -hmm. and remembering the pain and focusing on past tragedies that in fact we cushion ourselves or we are prepared better for the unexpected tragedies and the unexpected pain that comes in our life's path. Yes, absolutely. If, uh, if, Tishabav is is the giving of space of holding sadness, and it's a it's a it's it's a mechanism that works because you're aware of your history, you're aware of the trauma that you carry with you for generations and generations, and you sit with it for three weeks, and you remember what happened, and you tell your children what happened, and you continue the um, the circle of keeping history and traditions alive and you learn from it you learn from the past you learn from the disappointment you get to feel it again you get to uh, reacquaint yourself with the feeling and you get to process it and you get to move on and you get to do it again and again and again and that's life <laughs> The, I want to, after we're going to take our first break, but I want to tie that into the concept of, uh, unity and disunity, destruction and rebuilding that you're kind of alluding to and is at the core mm. of the Tishabav, uh, holy day of mourning. I'm here with our wonderful executive producer, Leah Masniku. I'm Dove Tuzman. We're having a show on the personal reflections on, on personal reflections on Tishabav on this day of, Sorrow. We'll be right back. And you could have it all. My empire of dirt. I will let you down. I will make you Always a struggle when we're in the days of Av. Do we play music or not? Um, <laughs> answer we play sad music <laughs> that's right that's been our our compromise okay we are going to honor our long-term uh, sponsor here this is a harder segue than usual i want to talk about manhattan medical i guess uh, segue- before you do that i'm always always curious and then fascinated by how you're going to make the segue and this is a particular hard one but <laughs> well i think maybe the segue between what manhattan medical does and what we're talking about tonight is it's disappointment <laughs> yeah perhaps there perhaps so and and difficult stuff to talk about yeah in the case of manhattan medical it's erectile dysfunction mm-hmm. uh, manhattan medical attacks this issue uh head on it's nothing to be ashamed about it affects folks of all faiths and backgrounds indiscriminately. In fact, it affects over two-thirds of men at some point in their lifetimes. Manhattan Medical has been serving the community and broadly patients with respect to ED for many years. Recently, they started implementing something called Gaines Wave Therapy. You need to check this out if you or a loved one is dealing with ED. Gaines Wave has been around in Europe for some time, in Canada more recently, and just very recently introduced to the United States. It is non-invasive. It is surgery-free. It's painless. It is quite uh, modest in cost, nowhere compared to the money you'd spend on those expensive blue pills over time, and it has enduring results with no side effects. 
You need to check out Manhattan Medical's Gains Wave Therapy for Erectile Dysfunction. I'm going to give out the number a couple times. Make sure to get out pen and paper or put it in your phone. The number is 888-EDQR9. That's 888-332-8739. You don't have to be in Manhattan. You don't even have to be in the New York area. Anywhere in the United States, you can get a teleconsult for Manhattan Medical's Gains Wave Therapy for ED. If you mention that you heard about it on Equal Footing, this radio program, you get a free consultation. That's a $250 value that you will not be offered unless you say you heard about Manhattan Medical's Gains Wave Therapy for Erectile Dysfunction on Equal Footing. I'm going to give out the number one more time, 888-ED-CURE-9 or 888-332-8739. I've been caught Leah, I'm going to try for this not to be too much of a softball. It, Uh-oh. <laughs> and then I'm going to go back <laughs> to the soundboard. It seems like uh, that in a certain sense, Tisha B'Av is not only about destruction. It's certainly about destruction and tragedy, right? Because it commemorates mm-hmm. the destruction of both the first and the second temples and various other tragedies and uh, losses within the Jewish people over the millennia. But it feels like to me between the lines, it's also about rebuilding because without the laying to waste of the Beit HaMikdash, without these dispersions of the Jewish diaspora, the expulsions from England and Iberia and so forth over the centuries, we wouldn't have been able to get to where we are. We wouldn't have been able to rebuild as a people so beautifully and so globally. Now, again, it can be accused of rationalization here. Um, but this seems to also tie into therapeutic principles as well. You can't, you can't rebuild until you really look at the brokenness. Mm. Yeah, I was reflecting on my personal life again. <laughs> uh, current, current theme here. And, uh, discussing with myself these like dark nights of the soul and these dark times and going, feeling the storm going through it and coming outside as a different person, uh, which to me makes when it happens to other people, it makes them more beautiful in my eyes and more powerful and not less. And certainly we've had our fair share of that in our relationship about like going, not necessarily together, but also apart, like going through these difficult, difficult times and coming out stronger. Not necessarily always. You, you carry the scars, but they make you who you are. You, and this is not just a cheesy saying. I fully believe this. Like going through difficult things makes you more capable going through difficult things and, and understanding the situation and not, not shying away from the difficult things makes you more capable to live life more fully on the other side because you've already gone through it. Isn't it interesting though, that you are able to see that more clearly in others 
So when you see someone else going through the that tunnel of darkness and you can see more clearly how they're going to emerge, you can you can see their heroism in dealing with the 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 tragedy that they're confronting, the challenge that they're dealing with. But then when it comes to ourselves, it's so hard to see the light at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um and which is why it's so important to surround yourself with people that see the light in you. Um, but I think you, I'm just going to follow up on that and say that this show to me was talking about disappointment. And it's so interesting that you said that we can't really see us like going through the storm. We feel really dark and heavy, but I would say the same thing about disappointment. Like, the purse, I, there's many situations that I am disappointed in, but the per, like the, the, the thing that stems the most disappointment is really myself. There's never other people or exterior things, even though I might say it, it's really myself. It's about like battling constantly with myself. And I know that through talking to my friends and people, in my life, and even you, I think it's a common theme and something that we struggle with. You know, so. I I had a, a, a college professor who would who was a history professor, and he said the most important thing in learning history is not what's on the page, but what is not <laughs> there. And I think that w- what's interesting to me about Tishabov is that what's not there is an, is vindictiveness or revenge. Uh, we, we talk about the, the needless, uh, senseless and cruel destruction of the first and second temples. We talk about expulsions of families overnight that these expulsions have occurred on this day over, over history. Uh, we talk about pogroms and persecutions and of course the holocaust and yet when we think about these things on a day like this we are not encouraged to think about how about what's been done to us by others like how to right the wrong how to um, get revenge it is an inner journey instead Mm -hmm. that's encouraged to look at ourselves, um, and to really feel, and this is feel the, the sadness. And I think this is actually one of the beautiful things that's often misunderstood about Jewish life is it's a life of feeling. It's a life where you, you, you have these holy days that are, that are clear. Like think about Simcha's Torah, for example, you're just dancing. With the Torah, and you're you're supposed to be in complete Jopurim, where you're supposed to get, you know, almost so so, so drunk that you get, uh, you know, even distinguish between mm. right and wrong. There are these mandates to feel, mm. and today we have a mandate to feel sorrow. To wow, feel that was this. profound. <laughs> I'm gonna think about that for a long time. Yes, but without without the intensity of acknowledgement of that feeling we don't really appreciate the beauty either or the rebuilding or the, um, the emergence from it, from the tunnel of darkness. Because we have the coping mechanisms because we feel. 
I wanted to share, you know what, let's take a break. I want to share the story of Kamsa and Bar Kamsa because you can't really talk about Tisha B'Av without this story. But we'll be right back on equal footing. We are talking about sorrow and disappointment and disunity. We haven't quite covered disunity yet, and we'll talk about that after the break, on what is known as the saddest day of the year. And on the Jewish calendar, our days are from sundown to sundown. So this day of Tisha B'Av, this ninth day of Av, the culmination of these three week, this three-week period of communal mourning, actually ends, at least here on the east coast of the United States, very shortly within the next, last couple of hours, like in the next couple of hours. So we're almost through this tunnel of darkness. We'll be right back. Footing with Dove Tuzman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skincare. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. I've been caught. Back on Equal Footing, I'm Dove Tuzman. I'm here with our producer and my partner, Leah Mazniku, talking about Tisha B'Av, this saddest day of the year. Before the break, I made the point that Tisha B'Av, while encouraging us to focus on and remember the grave injustices that have occurred to the Jewish people over the millennia, does not encourage us to act in a vengeful way or to react in such a way that leads us to hatred. Which is interesting because disappointment and regret are two of the main factors in decision-making. So even though we feel disappointed and have regrets and we were not vindictive, it's an important lesson. And the aspect of of blame is interesting as well because we're not encouraged um, to blame others. In fact, there is a famous tale from the Talmud, which I'm going to briefly tell, um, that its opening statement is, Jerusalem was destroyed on account of Kamsa and Bar Kamsa. Okay, doesn't say that... The temple was destroyed on the account of the Romans, in this case, the second temple. It says that Jerusalem was destroyed on the account of these two men. Well, who were these men? Well, they were both Jews. So here's the story. There was an invitation to a party that was mistakenly delivered to a man named Bar Kamsa. Instead of the person who was supposed to get 
the invite, who was just named Kamsa. You can see it was a simple issue of similar sounding names. Turns out that Bar Kamsa, who got the invitation to this party erroneously, shows up at the party. And he happens to be an enemy of the host of the party. The host of the party, whose name we don't have from the story, but the host of the party then declares in front of all of the other guests, including many wise sages from the community at the time, that Barkham says his enemy and shouldn't be there. Again, even though he'd gotten an invite, erroneously, but it still gotten an invite. The host humiliates Barkamsa and escorts him and basically has him thrown out the door. Barkamsa is so humiliated and offended that tradition has it. He went to the Roman king and accused the Jews, and he was a Jew himself, of rebelling against the Roman authorities, which then led to the destruction of the temple. Now, who knows whether this story is true or not, but it's an allegory that brings us to the core point that the enemy is not outside of us. The enemy is within its disunity within the Jewish people. And the Talmud and other commentary goes on to say that the root of the destruction of the temple and the root of all evil ultimately is sinatinam, which is a phrase that means baseless hatred. It's the, the idea of, of hating others without good cause. Now, you might be thinking, well, there's a lot of times you have good cause. But do you know what our sacred texts say about hatred? It's only permitted in very, very limited circumstances. Only when you are distancing yourself from a harmful influence. You are fleeing for hacks perhaps someone who is doing you harm, you're, you're in those very limited circumstances allowed to let hatred pulse within you. But at all other times, you have to, to remove it. Now, I think this, Leia, at the core of, this I think is the, the, the core of, of what Tisha B'Av is about, at least for me, which is the eradication of hatred and disunity within ourselves, within our family units, within our neighborhoods, within our communities, within our nation. That, to me, is the exhortation of Tisha B'Av. That makes sense in psychology because if you, in communal psychology, if you share similar feelings, it grows you stronger together in the sense of the group, the identity is stronger. So that makes sense to me that when shared a common history of pain and struggling, uh, there's unity. Isn't it fascinating though? And I, this is may, may sound again like a little bit of a rationalization as a, a proud Jew, but isn't it fascinating how at the, the root of the story where you'd think we should be in fact encouraging hatred of the oppressor of the Babylonians and the Romans and King, mm-hmm. Uh, Ferdinand and Queen Isabella and, and, and may his name be cursed forever. Hitler, all these, you were kind of, you'd think we'd be encouraged to have righteous anger and hatred, mm-hmm. but we're not. We're because encouraged to the ang- opposite. 
because anger and hatred are not productive. <laughs> They're not. What What do you get? It's like ha- eating a, a poisonous apple and waiting for the other to die or, or how that saying goes. Yeah. Um, and it has no real outlet. It just it kind of destroys you from within. So we're smart people and we shouldn't do that. We should be productive. We should move on. We should forgive but remember. Caller on line five. What do you think? Good evening. Hello. Hi. It's Stan in Forest Hills, New York. Stan, I, I don't know if you're fasting, but if you are, I hope you I don't smart. fast. I run fast, but I don't fast. <laughs> I move fast, I talk fast, but I don't fast. I try anyway. to run faster than you, Stan. That's all, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> all right, here it is. Let's get to it. What is the purpose of being more depressed than 80% of our calendar is depressing? I mean, what is the purpose of talking about it when 80% of our calendar is depressing? There is no other religion that is more depressed than we are. And so then we hit this holiday, and we seem to think, well, we're now even more pathetic. I mean, it gets to be somewhat self-mutilating to the Jew. Okay? I know many liberal and reformed people who take this above with a grain of salt, and because they know the rest of the year, you know, there's enough to go around. I mean, mm-hmm. why? And uh, to think that we need to reflect, we're reflecting 24 hours a day as a people, in every holiday, in every sense. Mm-hmm. So then the end of these thing comes, Tishabov, and then we're supposed to be even more reflective, even more depressed. Please, I don't think it's necessary to get, we need more up spirit. We need to be up about ourselves. We have enough problems here. Israel has enough problems going on right now. And so enough with the depressing, we got, let's go over our pain with the, this is bad. Enough of it. You know, we need to move on. Stan, I I tend to agree with you. And that's why it was, uh, you know, we almost didn't do a show tonight. I we, wish you hadn't done something else. <laughs> um, because I find it really difficult personally to digest uh, Tisha B'Av, I feel like we all we all have enough sadness and disappointment in our lives that to carve out a day to completely immerse in it, um, I have a, a bunch of adjectives for it, but it, it almost feels gratuitous in a certain way. In a certain way. Um, however, I was reading some commentary that 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 Leah was gracious enough to to share in the research in advance of the show. And the strongest argument that, that I heard was around this concept of unity or disunity. And this Talmudic story that we just told is says that really the destruction of the of the second temple didn't that tragedy didn't befall us because of some external actor, because of the Romans, but because of because of disunity within us as a Jewish people. And I look now at what's going on with in Israel with the the protests and the uh, the and the Netanyahu's administration's efforts around the uh, around the judicial system and and the fractured what feels at times like the fractured nature of the Jewish community in the United States. It's like we're constantly having more and more kind of sects and different groupings and so forth. That I think that that message alone is valuable. That we need to emphasize and seek unity. And and um, and despise with all respect our, no, our with tendency all respect, for disunity. 
With all respect, nobody is listening to you on that. With all respect to you, a good guy. Do you see that happening? It's going exactly the opposite way. I mean, it just keeps going. I mean, anti-Semitism, this and that. I mean, everything you just said has no meaning. With all respect, has no meaning. It's going exactly the opposite way. I'm not making it up. You, uh, you, you could make a movie about it. I mean, it's just the total opposite. So once I'd like to hear happiness, you know, let's talk about this. Let's talk, let's talk about management. Stan, what makes you happy? I, look, I'm going to say something that I haven't said to you. I was in the hospital a couple I'm of months sorry. ago for colon cancer. I'm sorry, Stan. And I, well, no, don't be sorry. I beat it. I got it there very you early. Go. So you can be sure of one thing, my friend. I wake up every day. I'm happy to be alive. And I'll be honest, I didn't pray. I depended on a great doctor's <laughs> and an orthodox doctor who was my who said, Stan, you're going to make it. It's very early. Blah, blah, blah. And so I'm alive today, okay? Mm-hmm. Did a divine being help me? I don't think so. But what helped me was my own strength to get on and move on. And I'm okay. I'm fine. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I wake up every day. It's 99 degrees. <laughs> but I wake up every day saying it's another day, and I've made it, and I've beaten you know, the devil uh, and so forth for the time being. So I'm happy. But the constant talking of, you know, Tisha, 90% of our calendar is depressing. Am I wrong? Tell me I'm wrong. Well, I don't think that's really fair yeah. because Shabbat, <laughs> we have, you know, the holiest day of the year is, in fact, Shabbat. It just happens to come every week. Okay. And that's not, about, that's not depressing no, at all. No, that's true. But when we ma- mention the You get to be happy one, every weekend, Stan. You know, we have the majors, as I call them, the major holidays, you know, the, right. and so forth. But, you know, I'd love us to have a... I'd love us to all be together, but mm. it doesn't seem going that way, my friend. I wish it was. I What you say to the lips of all of us, I hope it does happen. I mean that. I mean, I want to, before we lose you, Stan, I want to uh, read you a quote from Rabbi Abraham uh, Isaac Cook, often, knows as, often commonly known as Rav Cook. He wrote a lot on Tisha B'Av and was also troubled, as you are, by... Uh, our focus as a community on the tragic. Um, and he, he summarized his ultimate view on it as, as, as follows. If we were destroyed and the world was destroyed with us due to Sinat Inam, baseless hate, then we can only rebuild ourselves and the world with Ahavat Inam, meaning baseless love. And I and I, I I know Stan, you've you've criticized me personally over the years for being a little bit, you know, maybe a starry-eyed optimist. But I think that you're the, a good guy. You're a good guy. <laughs> but I think that if you don't if you don't see the dis, the destruction of baseless animus and disunity, then maybe you can't really wake up to to the need for the opposite of acceptance and love they, they they're can i interrupt end. you for one second quickly here's my answer to you in a two or three months we celebrate the jewish new year what is it 50 something what is it going to be tell me the number quickly i know you're running out of time what? what's the number yeah you you, you hold on i'm going to tell you you stop <laughs> you don't know yourself <laughs> what is it 50, 50, 50 are we going 5783 or are we going okay. 5784 
It's going to be a new year, and my friend... And we're going 5784. We're still here. We're still here. We're still here. That is a positive statement. We're still here. And it's going to be another Jewish New Year, and we're still here. That's, I think, how you should end the show tonight. We will still be here. Hopefully. Amen. Love it. Amen. Amen. Because I guess- <laughs> Stan, always love to, always love your, your commentaries and Rafu Shlema. I hope, uh, if you're still in recovery, that it, that it, get it complete. You sound great. Um, we're going to take our final break. You're here on equal footing. We are talking about sorrow and sadness and disunity, these things that we are told to acknowledge and think about on Tisha B'Av, this ninth day of Av, this saddest day of the year. But you just heard a good exhortation there as to how to maybe look at it different, differently. You know, Jewish J- Judaism is so mystical. Everything has so many different sides to it. And I do believe that without acknowledging the darkness, we don't really understand the light. We'll be right back. Trouble, oh, trouble, can't you see? You're eating my heart away and there's nothing much left of me. Equal Footing is brought to you in part by Mechanical Art Capital. Mechanical Art Capital offers overnight financing for watch collectors and watch dealers. You don't even have to actually get rid of your pieces. You don't take a loan. You just get financing against your watch collection or your watch inventory overnight for the cash you may need for business expansion or whatever else you may need. It's easy. Mechanical Art Capital. You can download the app on your smartphone, your Apple, or your Android device. Three words. Mechanical Art Capital. You'll be asked to upload a couple of photos or videos of your watches. You get an appraisal overnight, and then you get financing as early as the next day, maximum two days. Uh, you got to check it out. You can also go to their website, mechanicalartcapital.com. And get financing for those idle timepieces sitting on the shelf or in the cabinet if you're a dealer. Mechanical Art Capital. I've been Yes, you are back on equal footing. I was excited there. I was just, I wanted, I was uh, moved to share something. One of my favorite quotes um, is a quote that goes, if you or those that fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And to me, this is what the show is about tonight. It's about the recounting of history, the learning of the lessons and the 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 coping mechanisms that are within us from generations and generations and generations and it's not a show about talking about how sad we are and how depressed in our everyday lives. It's really about being aware of the history of the disunity of the baseless hate and looking at it in the eye and and hopefully choosing to go the other way. Yeah, you know, one one listener uh, says quite simply that if we don't have Tisha B'Av, we don't appreciate the joyful holidays as much that come after. And I think 
there's there's validity to that. That's part of what I was trying to to, to get to. It's it's mm-hmm. if you know there is a sanitization, and I, if we had Stan in the line, I think he would agree with this. Everything's I'm so sure he's listening. <laughs> hey, Stan, again. Everything's so sanitized, mm-hmm. you know. And and I think that one of the beautiful things about traditional observant Judaism is that we there's this stuff that's hard to look at. It's like, can you imagine in and please forgive me, our evangelical friends who are listening. <laughs> Um, but can you imagine like an evangelical Christian holiday that is about sorrow and sadness, so- sorrow uh, and disappointment? Nope. It's no. all about love. Yeah, ra- you know, raise your hands in prayer and, you know, and so forth. And I don't mean to put anything, anybody down, but like when I, I, I found a lot of resonance when we've had multi, uh, interfaith shows, for example, with Eastern traditions, with Buddhism, for example, where there is a, 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 a real deep mystical understanding that you can't. You can't understand the joy without the pain, and you can't actually transcend both, which is, in a certain sense, mystically the goal of all spiritual uh, faiths, like over, yeah, that to kind me. of overcome emotion, if you will, mm. um, without delving into it a little bit. Yeah, that to me feels more like denial and repression, but yes, I agree. <laughs> you can't have one without the other. I want to, uh, I want to read a couple of, um, a couple of notes from, from listeners here. We don't have that much, uh, time. Um, and I do want to say that we neither Leah or myself are here, uh, debating or in a position of authority on halacha. So we're not able to give you hashkafa and things, but at least we could give our opinions. <laughs> uh, okay. So, um, why do we have a Holocaust Remembrance Day when we have Tisha B'Av? Why do we need two of these days? Um, well, to be fair, um, I'm not sure that we do. I mean, Holocaust Remembrance Day is something that has been created culturally. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not something that is obviously part of um, a longstanding rabbinic tradition. Yeah, although yes. it's um, and and to me it it feels. Different. I'll put myself out on a limb here. I'm the grandson of of Holocaust survivors. My my grandparents, in blessed memory, uh, were both both survived the uh, the war. And uh, to me, Tishabov feels a little bit more. Was that like fiddle on the cue fiddle on the roof? Like tradition. Like Tishabov feels it's ancient. I mean, you're talking mm. about um, you're talking about tragedies that have befallen the Jewish people that go back thousands of years. And I feel like that can the the, the Holocaust is such a um, a seismic, cataclysmic event mm. that if it's if you are honoring that tragedy or thinking about it at the same time, it it's it's like a it's like a, a you know it's like an eclipse. I mean, it, it it eclipses all other tragedies before it, and so we may not actually have the sense of the connectedness to the tradition. So that there's my answer, listener. What do you think, Leah? I think that they're very distinct things. I think culturally, as you said, we have a Holocaust Remembrance Day that only came after World War II. And uh, Tisha B'Av has been going on for thousands of years. And we also commemorate the Holocaust by remembering a sad, sad event. Um, but yeah, I think these are very distinct things. So a another listener, uh, Elise, um, writes that I'm not fasting on Tishavov 
because the destruction of the second temple ultimately lent way for the democratization of Judaism, taking away power and authority out of the hands of an elite and corrupt priesthood. Ooh, Elise, you, uh, you raise a... <laughs> I'm not going to state my so personal is, opinion. <laughs> is is actually seems to be celebrating the destruction of the Second Temple. Um, I, I don't think I can give any comment on that on a religious program, but thank you for sharing your perspective. We want to uh, do a show on Judaism and democracy, Elise, so... We do. Gear tune up in, for that. Tune in to, uh, to that one. I feel so I, I, I like itching to give my opinion a little bit on this, but I'm going to stay out of trouble. Yes, yes exactly. Yes. Um, but I think it's fair. I think we do have enough space. In, of course, of course, you would answer in the big tent. Yeah, <laughs> dance around the edges of Elisa's comment. Um, that you know, I don't have to, uh, you know, bemoan too much. You're not mourning the loss of a hierarchical inherited caste of priests. <laughs> you know, I would, I, and I would definitely mourn the loss of democracy. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, whatever Tishabov means to you, it sounds like you do have stuff to mourn there, at least maybe not the same things that, that others are, are mourning. I think that, um, before we come up on time, Leah, I want to talk about the, concept of exile because mm-hmm. when tishabov when when you you know you learn about tishabov as 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 a kid your focus is really on the destruction of the of the first and the second temple and the realization that you know the the sojourners in in the desert with Moshe Rabbeinu are not going to reach the promised land you don't you don't get as much information i think on the i wouldn't say modern <laughs> but the medieval events um, in 1290 and in the year 1492, the expulsion of, of, of the Jews from these major centers of, of, um, habitation in, 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 uh, in England and, and in Iberia, which fundamentally changed the course of Jewish history. Mm. Um, and this, this concept of exile feels like we're an exilic people. Like we've, we've been in exile for so long that the question is that now do we still have to, Look at Tishbab the same now that there is a modern Jewish state. I mean, there is a state of Israel. Uh, we don't have the, the, there's, we didn't done shows before in the reconstruction of the temple. That's a different matter. But do we have to mourn being in exile in the same way? All those horrible things ultimately led us to this, to this beautiful place of there being a state of Israel. Yeah. I'm going to put on my rabbi hat. Jokes. I do not have a rabbi hat, uh, and say that. It's these thousands of years in exile have been really difficult. And now uh, I remember a conversation we had where you said the only place you feel like home is in Israel, even though you haven't lived there for long or you haven't li- yeah, lived there for the longest. Little, very little in my life. Yeah. yeah. And to me, that's really, it's, it's a powerful statement because you feel the energy of the place. So you, you feel it call your, your soul basically. Uh, and it's a, it's a homecoming of sorts. Uh, do you have to, re- uh, do you have to view Tishabav the same now that you, the state of Israel exists? Uh, yes. Yes, you still do because these events happened in our history and they are real and the pain exists and the lessons are very much real to this day. I mean, look at what's happening in Israel. We're, we're, we're 
the unity is is not that present either uh, in modern times. So yes, we very much need to view Tisha B'Av the same, in my humble opinion. I like it. I endorse that message. <laughs> I hate it when you say that. <laughs> okay, I want to read a comment from Ari, the listener, um, who says, uh, I need Tishabov. I need the opportunity to afflict my soul, to identify with the loss of the present alongside the painful losses of our past. I need to give an expression to my sadness and to force myself to acknowledge all the destruction. And that way I can remind myself that my world is actually not destroyed. And with all the difficulties around me, my life is in fact good. Very good. I applaud you, Ari, for being so in tune with your emotions and so vulnerable and so willing to give space and, and, and have a beautiful world while also acknowledging the destruction. And I think that's, that's what's, what, that's what life is about. It's about this dance of, of destroying and rebuilding and death and life and this, the, the cycle that never ends. Ari, I feel the same way. I feel like I, I don't really, uh, feel, I don't really taste joy unless I'm also aware of, um, of the other side. I feel at this point in my life more, um, grateful, not always in touch with it. Uh, perhaps, un, perhaps, um, uncoincidentally, this has been a very difficult last 24 hours. And I think that, ha- that seems to happen to me every year on Tisha B'Av, whether I'm conscious of it or not. But, the I feel now in in my life that I've that I have more appreciation um, for the blessings because I also have more experience and appreciation for the darkness. So you said that very beautiful, beautifully, hmm. that uh, you remind yourself that that the that your world is not destroyed. That even with all the difficulties, that your life is good, very good. So amen. Uh, I hope, and I hope everyone is able to, uh, feel the opposite on the other side. You know, I, one of the problems I have, Leah, with some of the, the celebratory holidays like Simchas Torah mm. is that when it's over, I'm not exactly sure how I'm supposed to feel. Like, am I still celebrating? Do I, am I allowed to feel as jubilant or should I like tone it down? Whereas the Tishabov, it's never confusing. Like, as soon as it's, it ends, you eat, you smile, you laugh, you listen to music, you you change gears. So it's uh that's something to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a day that it that highlights different emotions and as soon as it ends, you're like relieved, but you get to do it again next year. That relief only lasts so much. Well, we will catch everyone next week. I won't say uh Happy end to your fast, but I hope it's, if you're still fasting, that it's uh, easy here at the end and that we now change gears, go out of this period of mourning into the more traditionary, traditional celebratory period prior to the high holidays. And I hope you've taken this time to reflect and to come out at the light of the tunnel on the other side, to come out lighter and more aware of your history and more aware of your pain and stronger. Amen. Oh, no, I'll never-
to your heart. 